Hi guys, and welcome to episode 25 of On The DL. You have Dakota and Lan joining you today. And today we want to talk about results and why you're not getting any. Uh, this is an <laughs> annoying topic, uh, which probably everyone in the world has experienced, uh, whether it's, you know, not losing as much weight on the scale as you thought you would or uh, a lift not progressing as it should in the gym. And today we want to work, uh, you know, work on uh, ways to combat this and obviously the reasons uh, behind this. So I reckon if we if we start by having a look at some of the different goals that people might have and what plays into those different goals, mm -hmm. let's say for instance you're we'll just use powerlifting as an option because we're both fairly familiar with powerlifting. So if you're a powerlifter and you've been in it for you know let's say you've been in it for a few years now and you're finding that you're just not able to progress your bench press. What sorts of things might we consider mm. looking into if someone's got a lift that's lagging? Mm. I mean, there's a di there's definitely a different uh, a few different angles you can kind of go. Like, uh, I guess uh, you know we'll cover nutrition shortly, but nutrition can obviously affect that in a large way. You know, if you're are you are you coming into a comp competition in a deficit? You know, uh, yeah. You, where where are you with your nutrition? If if your nutrition is on point, then you obviously know that that's you know that's not going to affect the bench press. But um, you know, it could be it could be bench press. You know, in terms of the frequency in the program, uh, are you doing enough work? Um, you know, are are you pushing yourself in the gym? Are you pushing your accessories hard enough? Are you doing the right accessories? Uh, you know, where are your weaknesses within the bench press and are you actually working towards them? And then it comes down to uh, recovery as well. Uh, you know, are you sleeping enough? Are you looking after yourself? Have you done two comps back to back with a 10, week, 10 weeks between? Um, Turn around. There's, there's so many variables that could be um, royally screwing you up. It's so true. Let's go back for a second to not putting in the work because I mm. think this is one that doesn't get discussed very mm. often because people all think they're putting in the work, right? So a lot of people will talk about recovery, a lot of people will talk about nutrition, da 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 da, mm. and they'll say, I'm doing everything right, but I'm still not getting results. If you're doing everything right and you're still not getting results, then mm. there's still one variable left to look at, right? Yeah. Are you actually pushing yourself? Now, I can say clear cut for me, the last few years, I have not pushed hard in the gym. And this, because I don't have a set goal, because I'm not chasing anything yeah. specific, that's not that big of a deal. But I see other people turning up to the gym and working no harder than me yeah. and expecting to get this really big <laughs> payoff. So yeah. talk, talk us through... How hard do we need to be pushing to, to see progress, progress and how often sort of I think a lot of people will push hard for a certain period and then they'll lose it and then they'll push hard for a certain period and then they'll lose yeah. it. How important is it to be consistent? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. Every time I, you know, I'm a, I'm a week out from a powerlifting competition and I always dream about the assistance work that I didn't do or the few reps that I decided not to do, or a set that I was like, oh, I'm just going to finish it now. Um, <laughs> so I think there's, you know, uh, nobody's perfect, uh, but in terms of consistency, like you just want to, you, you don't actually have to push that hard, but it also depends on where you're at in your powerlifting journey, you know. 
Um, obviously, if you're a beginner, you can play around with the variability. You know, you can do as many sessions as you want. And because you're obviously not pushing the weight that hard, you're, you're going to recover really well. And obviously, beginner gains. So you're going to really get those gains quite quick. When I love starts, beginner gains. Oh, I love them. <laughs> Miss them so much. Um, but obviously, as you get more and more advanced, you know, you have to not necessarily lift harder and lift more weight it's more so that you have to get smarter in ways that you can refine what you're doing and you know kind of get uh, get the skill acquisition uh, a little bit yeah. better you train smarter not necessarily harder um but you know if you're you don't have to push any everything to failure you just have to be consistent you have to have a program that you trust and that you wholeheartedly believe will help you on your way. And then you need to do it for, you know, 12 weeks. And then if you're not getting that progress within that time, then you go, okay, did I do everything in the program? If I did, then I need to reassess my goal. And is this program actually helping me personally to that goal? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And then it shifts a little bit, doesn't it? When we're talking about hypertrophy. So hypertrophy, really, it's about, progressive overload yeah. at its core, right? Yeah. So whether you're overloading through increasing time under tension, increasing weight, da 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 yeah. it's still consistently about Yeah. Hypertrophy is a little you know, a little easier than a powerlifting prep. You know, you just you, that's every, it. everything has to be a nine, you know? Yeah. That's it. And I think that's something people don't understand about bodybuilding anymore because it's gotten such a push towards Mind muscle connection, da 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 da, which is yeah. vitally important. I'm not saying it's not, but mind muscle connection without pushing yourself close to failure is still not going to get you the gains. Like, you're not just because you feel your quad working doesn't mean that it's growing. You know? yeah. yeah. So, in yeah. terms of hypertrophy, what sorts of things do you see people doing that maybe inhibit that a little bit? So back when I was a trainer a very, very long time ago, <laughs> I used to always see people just trying to do too much in a session. And because they're trying to do too much in a session, by the time they get to their third or fourth exercise, they're already half cooked. <laughs> yeah. It's like doing it's like doing a, a 20 exercises for your biceps. Like why? Who can think of 20 exercises for your biceps? I've got one, just in biceps. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I mean, you can, you can, yeah, definitely doing too much is definitely a detriment. Like, do you really, like, yeah. I mean, that's where a coach comes into it, you know. They write your program based on what exactly what you need. Whereas if you're doing it yourself, you think more is more, but really it's like you're just wasting your time. Like, that's uh, it. And obviously if you're under-recover and you're doing too much, then you just the burnout is going to hit you a lot faster. Um, but another one, another one I see is changing changing the exercises too quick. Like so... every, every four weeks you get a fresh new program. And it's like you don't need yeah. that. Like you nah. you you don't, you don't need it that quick. Even in hypertrophy, uh-huh. you don't. Like how hard, no. you, how hard have you really pushed those exercises? It's also difficult to see progress if you're changing that often, yeah. right? Like, so after four weeks, you might've put 10 kilos on your squat, right? Mm. But you could have potentially put 20 or 30 kilos on that squat yeah. had you actually taken it all the way through because skill acquisition is still a part of bodybuilding, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, 
even though it's probably more fundamental in powerlifting and it has mm. the ability to make bigger differences in powerlifting, mm. it's still a big part of, of hypertrophy and skill acquisition takes time. Okay. I remember when my squat was really bad a few years back, um, the beautiful Andrew at PTC South Melbourne, which is now gone very sadly, um, thanks to bloody COVID, he made he to undo the damage I'd done learning a really bad pattern with my squat. He made me squat 40 kilos for 3,000 reps, and it was always in sort of like five sets of three. And I had mm. to really focus on my technique, I had mm. to get my breathing, my bracing, my foot position, my you know, feeling my midfoot, all of this sort of jazz, yep. and just do a really tight three reps over. Yep. Over and over again, and it was only once I hit those three thousand reps that he would allow me to graduate. Mm. And it was because it does take time, yeah. particularly if you're undoing a bad habit. It takes even longer, doesn't it? Yeah, un unbuilding old moving pat like movement patterns takes it takes time to build a skill. You know, just yeah. because. I don't know, I find uh, people look at, like, workouts and movements uh, completely different. Like, you know, if you were learning how to play chess, would you, would you do, would you play one game and go, sweet, let's make it harder. Let's, let's fucking, yeah. let's, let's go. Let's enter a tournament. And I was like, no. Like, so, you know, you're relearning how to squat or how to spit squat or how to brace. Like, you have to do it. You have to continually do it and put the effort in required to build that skill. And that takes time. So definitely a huge mistake is just not allowing yourself to build that skill and just going ham. I think, you know, a lot of the physios we know refer to it as earning, earning mm. the weight, you know, like mm. you've got to actually earn those weight plates. Let's yeah. start with the bar, get it right, <laughs> and then work our way up. Yeah. So with with you know um programming and coaching and all of that sort of jazz we still often run into the issue of people overtraining because whatever you've written down they'll do that but then they often still go and do more on top of that mm. can you explain to people why it's so important <laughs> to stick to the program it's it's just well, it's more moving parts. It's more variables. You know, uh, when you sit down and create a program based off of the person's goals or requirements of, you know, if they have a few weaknesses or issues to work on, uh, you have that, you know, you have the certain sets and the certain reps that you allocate for that week. And you have the plan of, you know, the four to 12 or six months block, depending on, you know, how you plan it out. And you have that plan in your head. And like, you know, not every plan, I mean, obviously, we're people, we're humans, life happens, but you have that yeah. plan in your head. If you're going in and doing, you know, four sets of six at RPE eight, and then you go and add in some extra calves and some extra quad and, you know, and a few hamstrings, maybe you go for a run, you don't communicate that. And then, you know, you should have ridden out those squats for maybe, you know, anywhere from six to eight weeks, depending on how far you're building, but you bomb out at four weeks. The coach is like, what the fuck? Like that shouldn't be happening. So then you have to reevaluate. Uh, the coach is confused, uh, but the coach also knows. <laughs> so the thing is, is like even though the client doesn't communicate that stuff, we it's it's you know just like nutrition. You know, there's always a reason why something doesn't work. There's always a reason why <laughs> something happens. You know, something just doesn't go. Oh, this is the first time. There must be a different reason. Uh, there's always yeah. like okay, 
you've gone off plan. You've gone off plan. And the thing is, is that it's a plan. So if you go yeah. off plan, then the, the variables of the repercussions of that are unknown and you have to be ready for that. Exactly right. Exactly right. I think that kind of brings us towards the weight loss side mm. of things as well, mm -hmm. right? Like we've covered strength, we've covered hypertrophy. When it comes to weight loss, this is probably where we see yeah. the most people not getting where they want to go. Mm. There's 101 reasons for this, but most of them revolve around food choices to some extent because, let's face it, most people actually do enjoy exercise once they get into it. <laughs> Yeah. Once they're in, they enjoy moving, they enjoy how their body feels, they enjoy the endorphin release, so they'll keep that up to some some degree. You know, there will be variability and you've got to understand that if you miss a few sessions in a week, that does decrease your energy output, which means that you're probably no longer in the deficit that you thought you were in, but it's probably only going to affect you for that week and then as long as you get back to normal, <laughs> everything will get back on track. Yeah. Whereas the nutrition side of it can be a lot more complicated when it comes yeah. to weight loss. What are the most common things you see your clients doing that bugger up their progress in weight loss? It's more so, well, I mean, the mental side of it, as you would see, is a huge player, you know, <laughs> stepping on the scale and going, well, that didn't work. Let's fucking eat the world today. Uh, just those instant emotional reactions or, you know, um, thinking that, thinking that four out of seven days is good enough or, yeah. you know, um, you know, when, when people set a goal, a lot of people cannot understand the sacrifice they have to make to hit that goal. So, you know, yeah. a lot of people come to us and they're like, sweet, I'm going to lose 10 kilos. And I'm like, okay, in what kind of time frame? Uh, about 10 weeks if possible. I'm like, okay, do you understand what that means? And most don't, most have no it's, idea what that means. Is that, overcommit, underperform situation yeah. that's going to happen when you put yourself in that position, particularly if the circumstances aren't allowing for it. So a lot of the time when people make decisions to drop 10 kilos or drop 20 kilos, it's emotionally charged. Mm. So they've usually made that decision because something has happened, right? Yeah. They got really uncomfortable in themselves. Someone made a comment. Something happened yeah. in their life to drive them to make that decision. Mm. And that 10 kilo goal or that number gets really set in their mind regardless of all of the other aspects. So yeah. instead of focusing on their health, focusing on their performance, focusing on their movement, all of these sorts of things, they get so fixated on that one number yeah. that you're right the days that they get on the scales are almost always detrimental because there's three things that they could potentially step off those scales feeling. Yeah. One, awesome, I dropped three kilos. Two, oh, I only mm. dropped 500 grams today. And last, oh, the scales didn't move or they went up, right? Mm. So there's like a 75% chance you're not going to be happy with what the scales are going to tell it's you. It's not a good average. And I not a good average and only a 25% chance that they're going to make your day better. So we get this sort of disconnect because the actions that you're doing are beneficial regardless of what the scale said. Different story if you're not being compliant. We'll talk about that in a second. But if you're being compliant and the scales aren't doing what they say they're going to do, you have to understand that weight loss isn't linear. You're going to have times where it's going to plateau. You're going to have times where it peaks, times where it troughs. It's going to be 
affected by what else is going on in your life at the time, whether your period's due, whether you haven't had enough water, all of these things are going to affect your weight loss. And that's okay mm. as long as you stay focused on the end goal, which should be yeah. to be healthier, to move better, to feel better in your clothing, so on and so forth. You and I have both seen it in a number of our clients. The amount of weight that they want to lose is not necessary for the body that they want to achieve, but yeah. they've got the number in their head so it keeps messing them up, keeps, keeps giving them that negative feedback. Yeah. For some people, scales are a really healthy thing because they're able to just see it as data. And for those people, good on you, jump on the scales as often as you like. <laughs> Wonderful. Mm-hmm. For the people who don't find them beneficial, and you and I have had this discussion about you, babe, you yeah. prefer not having to get on the scales all the time because it makes you feel happier. One less stress in your yeah. life, right? Yeah. 100%. And now when when you do get on the scales, you don't have a panic about it yeah. because it's not a big deal it doesn't mm. it doesn't tell you if you're feeling better it doesn't tell you yeah. if you're performing better it doesn't dictate any of that so that's a, a big part of what's going on yeah. then there's the non-compliance side of things mm. and non-compliance can come in a number of ways sometimes mm. it's passive sometimes it's just eating a little bit more of things that you don't realize are adding up to a lot more calories Mm -hmm. so you might have an extra five grams of nuts or use an extra couple of grams of oil and da 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 by the end of the day or maybe you have a treat meal and you didn't realize that it didn't have 500 calories it actually had 2000 exactly right and then all of a sudden we've got this fluctuation in your Mm -hmm. intake for that week so all of a sudden we go from having this very planned um uh, calories in versus calories out to Mm. no plan at all like you were saying before with the training side of things it's the variables that are confusing because then your coach doesn't actually know how to calculate to adjust because you haven't been tracking or measuring it Mm. Other things that can sort of factor in are binge eating. Um, Binge eating is a really common one. Because it's in one sitting, people don't see why it has the potential to affect this weight loss journey that you've been on for six weeks. Because one meal. Huge, and then it stalls everything. It also then creates this negative association with food that puts you into a position where you're most likely going to restrict at some point. Yeah. So because you've done, you've had this behaviour that you're ashamed of. Mm. Now you're going to go away and try and compensate for it. Try and fix it. Try and that's it. Mm. And what that actually does is it tells you. Pardon my terminology, but it tells you you shit, you failed. Yeah. You're yeah, you're crappy at what you're doing, which reinforces negative feelings towards yourself yeah. rather and than it just motivating keeps, you. It keeps going. Like I think exactly speaking, you know, speaking of that, like that's the huge mistake that people do with nutrition is that they go hard and fully restrict like how low can I put my calories? And then they yeah. they do it for maybe five, six days. Maybe they can handle it. Maybe they can't. And then they binge, like you said, and then they feel bad. They're like, well, I'm a failure. I can't believe I can't stick to an 800-calorie diet. Uh, fuck my life. I'm going to eat everything with my week's calories in today. And then they do it again. It's like, it's okay. I'll just try again. And then it's just that cycle. And they just they end up weighing the same. 
And then psychologically, yeah. they have this really negative relationship with both their food and their body mm. because they're having, they're, they believe that it's the food that they're putting in yeah. their body, not the calories that are having that effect, right? Yeah. If you look at it from a purely caloric perspective, if you kind of go, all right, calories in, calories out, mm. Even if you don't eat particularly well, you will still get some results. Not that I'm encouraging that, <laughs> but you will get some results because mm. energy in versus energy out is a big part of the equation. Yeah. The other things that limit people's progress, though, are the, I guess, the super important but less understood aspects of nutrition. So mm. things like micronutrient intake. Yeah. If you don't have adequate micronutrient intake, a lot of the systems in your body become mm. inefficient, right? Yeah. So to be able to utilize carbohydrates, mm. you need a number of different nutrients, including most yeah. of the B vitamins, right? Yeah. If you're not getting in adequate amounts of these things, all of these systems will become inefficient, which means that even on the same calories, you're not yeah. going to be getting the same. same results. Yeah. And people want to forget about that because people love awesome. this concept. <laughs> If it fits your macros, let's have Nutella and ice cream for dinner. Mm. It doesn't work the same way long-term, mm. guys. Short-term, great, you'll get some sort of result out of it, but long-term, it just won't. Mm. I think one of the other big things that affects a lot of people that are dieting down is protein intake. Yeah. Protein is vital for lean mass production and lean mass maintenance, yeah, right? Yeah. And if we know that lean mass makes us burn more calories than fat mass, so if carrying a higher percentage of lean mass yeah. is going to improve our metabolic rate, yeah. we need to maintain that stuff, yeah. right? We don't want to be losing also, just whatever. Protein helps you keep full as well. like Completely. Yeah. You protein is satiating and purposeful it yeah. does so many things it also makes half the neurotransmitters in your body so it's what keeps you happy yeah. and all of that sort of stuff so when people are dieting down they'll take away anything that's high in calories because mm -hmm. they have this association with the one takeaway anything that's high in calories so yeah. out goes the salmon out goes the beef out goes all of these things and they start replacing it with all of these really low calorie options chicken and rice which Exactly, which is fine, but how much of that can you eat long? before you get really sick of it? Yeah, exactly right. And if you can't maintain it for the long term, it's mm. just not going to work for you. So plan. Yeah. Get a better get a better idea of what you're expecting to get out of what you're doing and plan around that. You're going to have events in your life. You're going mm. to have things that you want to go to and not have to count calories and that sort of jazz. Mm. Plan for these things. Speaking of speaking of like the the food and stuff, I um like the chicken and rice. I was having a yeah. conversation with a client, and I think a lot of people do this, and I definitely have in the past. Mm. You know, I am. I mean, I'm such a princess. I I hate reheated food. I hate it with a passion. I just can't do it. Like I'm so lucky to be able to work at home because I just couldn't handle it. Like, nah, no, thank you. Um, and I remember like probably like five years ago now, I did, I, I used to meal prep. I used to do, you know, a week's worth of containers. I used to put them in the freezer. I'd take them out and I wouldn't eat it <laughs> because it was boring and gross and reheated. And I was talking to a client yep. about it and she's like, yep, sweet. Like I, I prepped all my food um, and, you know, and, it, and, you know, a few weeks went by and she just wasn't eating it, wasn't feeling it. And I'm like, what are you cooking? 
And I was like, wow, that sounds really boring. Um, boring. And I'm like, how about, you, how about you look at these meals and go, okay, rather than, okay, I need protein, I need fats, I need veggies, I need carbs. How about you try and make a meal that you enjoy, even if it is a little bit more calories than your traditional chicken, rice, and veg, it's going to taste so much better and you're actually going to eat it. Like, and volume eating isn't everything, right? No. So people think volume eating is going to keep them feeling fuller. No. But we also get responses from our brain when things have a strong taste, right? Mm. So there's heaps of studies out there that show that eating bland food, you will want to eat more, whereas eating flavorsome yeah. food, you'll it's get satiated fun. quicker. Yeah. So it's it's not as simple as volume. No. Yep, great if you can do both. If you yeah. can do a little bit of volume food, with lots of flavour, you definitely. Yeah. Um, it's... When I was when I was cutting when I was cutting for Wildcats, um, I remember yeah. <laughs> I um, terrible time. I um, I was having I was having chicken uh, and uh, you know that cauliflower and broccoli rice. So I was oh. having that. Yep, I was having three hundred grams of that, and oh. and I oh, was, your poor belly. Oh my my stomach was cooked. Like I I, oh. I got so bloated. And I was like, yeah, it's all right. I'm bloated. It'll, it'll stop me from being hungry. And um, I was still hungry. Like I was having 300 grams of, of veggies with a little bit of rice. Like, and I was still hungry. I was like, I'm having so much volume, so much volume. But like it's, yeah, and I was still hungry. Um, so yeah, I've, definitely, I've been through that. Volume is great as long as you like how it tastes. It's, yeah, it's like this part of the puzzle, right? The rest yeah. of it has to play in too, and that's it. Like, I don't know, it's it's hard to watch people doing that sort of jazz when you know how unnecessary it is. Yeah. You can understand why people do it, though, because it's so simple. Like, you can understand why people would want to just chuck a ton of chicken on a, on yeah. a um, pan, cook it up and divvy it out, and then put frozen veg in with it. Yeah. But... Again, if you can't do it for the next five years, don't do it now. Like, it's not going to get you there. I think I used to be in that, you know, I used to be in the headspace of, and it's a, a mistake that a lot of people do still, uh, you know, you create, you know, the, the low calorie plan, you do lots of, lots of volume, uh, it doesn't matter how it tastes and you just fill it up. You know, you, you try and make, you try and spread the calories out as much as you can. But, you know, I've obviously grown in that time. And now I think that, like, well, if you can't handle being hungry, then get out of the deficit. Like, it's a simple That's thing. right. Not every time is a good time to be in a deficit. And no. COVID has actually been a really good example 100%. of that for a lot of people. When you're, to quote Magdalena, when your window of tolerance is mm. this big. Yeah you really don't want to be in a big deficit because you are yeah. not going to handle it well. Um, so... Mm understanding your limitations is not weakness and yeah. people do associate that with weakness not being yeah. able to stick to a diet is usually multifaceted it's yeah. not just you're not calories. just weak or you, you're not just yeah. you're not just hungry like there's there's yeah. always a reason and sometimes when you do a diet you, you're you're switched on you're focused you're 100 percent. you're like this is easy how did I ever have an issue with this before? And then other times yeah. you'll, you'll go and you're like, you know what? I don't actually want to do this. And when you try and yeah. force it on yourself, it just, it's, it's, well, it's it not worth it. It's not worth it. No, it's, 
it's really not. So I yeah. think all in all, you know, there are some very clear things that mm. we're saying will limit your progress. Yeah. Overtraining, undertraining, not taking enough rest, not actually pushing at the gym are all going to affect your training significantly. Nutrition, boredom, cutting when you don't need to be cutting, staying in deficits for too long, not really having fun with your food and exploring the enjoyment side of it not being aware of the things that you're doing off plan or not talking to your coach <laughs> that you're doing off plan that aren't going to be helpful in these situations. These are all aspects that are going to be limiting your results that might not be in your face. You might not be noticing that you're doing these things every day. But now that we've had a chance to air them and talk them out, you might start noticing them in just little behaviours that you have day to day. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully we've been we able to help, help a few people, people open your eyes. isolate. Yeah. <laughs> and see what they're missing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, if you're if you're struggling and you know, what we have listed, you're obviously you know, ticking those boxes, definitely uh, you know, leave a comment below and we'll see if we can help you out in that retrospect. Um but if, you know comment below, uh subscribe, share the hell out of this episode. Um and thank you for watching and we'll see you next week.